So praise the Lord everybody, it's me again. I'm here for another uh, special broadcast during this time of the coronavirus uh, season where churches are mostly not open, some few are, um, but we just thought we would do some extra broadcast in case you're in quarantine or in case you're staying home for, for personal health reasons. And um, today I have a kind of a continuation on the thought. We started out uh, last week with redeeming the time. And then we talked about boldness in prayer. And then we talked about overcoming by the blood and that we should not go to work for the accuser of the brethren. And uh, to, to hear those messages, they are on the Old Time Power uh, podcast on Podbean. Uh, this week I kind of want to continue on with some of those thoughts because I really think this is a call to God's people to do inventory in their own hearts and lives and also to begin to pursue the things that God would have us to pursue. You see a lot of times, sadly, uh, especially in the last few decades, people come and, and they join themselves to the church, many of them do not get born again. But even the ones that are genuinely born again, there are a percentage of those who really aren't living so much for Jesus, they're living for themselves, and they're using Bible verses to claim all kinds of things under the sun. Um, but you know, when Jesus takes control of a heart and a life, and we become disciples. Somebody once said, and I agree with this, that disciples are the only kind of true Christians that there are. And that means just simply that we are learners of Christ. And there is a way that He has set down in His Word that we are to go forward uh, in the Christian life seeking the kingdom first. And then all other things will be added to our lives. That's what the scripture says in Matthew 6.33. And so we don't invite Jesus to follow us. Now here's what I'm going to do, Lord. And now you need to bless it. We don't, we don't do business that way. God doesn't do business that way. We're called to follow Christ. He's not following us. And if we want to be in the presence of God, we're going to have to seek the presence of God. And you do that in the Word, you do that in prayer, you do that in church. You do that at home, you do that on the job, you do that everywhere. Everywhere you are, you are a Christ follower. And I think we've done a lot of things in America that has been displeasing to the Lord. Perhaps, and I'm going to just say it that way, perhaps this is a wake-up call to the church in this nation at a time when God... And it's been coming through words of knowledge and words of wisdom for a long time that God is going to begin to expose and tear down the corruption in this nation. We have a president who's trying to do just exactly that as a tool in the hand of the Lord, I believe. But at the same time, God is not going to judge America and leave the church unjudged. That doesn't make any sense. And yet today, I'm not really preaching on this is a judgment of God or whatever that might be, but I am going to go to two different portions of Scripture as we look at, first of all, 
at an early church prophetic dynamic. In other words, the way they lived in expectation of the return of Christ. Did you realize that in the time that the Apostle Paul and others wrote their epistles, Christians were expecting Jesus to come back at any moment, just like He's expecting us to believe that He will come back at any moment and live our lives in light of that. And the more I study the New Testament, the more I study the prophetic dynamic by which they lived, the more it becomes apparent, at least to me, and many others, that there's some things that are missing in our time today. And so I'm just going to read this to you, and you can do with it what you will for our time today. But I think all of this, and when we get to the second uh, verses of Scripture, uh, it will become more apparent what I believe God, one thing that God is saying through this time. So let's go to the book of Acts. Let's go to chapter 2, and I'm going to start at verse 38, reading today again from the New King James Version. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now that translation in the Greek, what it says is, <clears throat> Because you, your sins have been remitted, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, and as you know, Jesus taught himself that we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Baptism doesn't save a person. Baptism is a, uh, a symbol, if you will. It's an outward expression of what has happened inwardly in the person's heart. And so Peter is encouraging them to go on ahead and do that. For the prom, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And I can testify to this from a personal perspective that once the Lord <clears throat> gets one person in a family saved, He is absolutely going to deal with every soul in that family. And now... Everybody still has a free will, and they can accept or reject, but God, you can absolutely rest assured that God is dealing with your loved ones about giving their heart to Jesus, because you have given your heart to Jesus. And so, that's very encouraging as we pray through these times, as we pray for unsaved family members and loved ones and friends, anywhere we have influence. The potential is there for you and I as Christians to break down the barriers of Satan and introduce the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that's a very important thing that I think God wants us to look at as the church again. You know, I told this uh, story uh, a few, I don't know, a couple years ago and I was preaching a certain message and it I included this little example every time I preached it at different churches and whatnot. My whole adult life, now you think of this, I got saved when I was 18. Okay, that's almost 40 years ago now. And my whole entire adult life, I have had three Christians 
approach me with a track or approach me to witness to me. Three. Now you think of what I'm saying. I was already saved and so we had sweet fellowship. Amen. But I've had three. On the other hand, I cannot count the visits I have had at my house by the cults. I want to let that sink in. I want you to weigh the gravity of that statement. Many of the cults are passionate about going out and making converts. And so oftentimes I've asked myself, where is the passion of the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ to go talk to people about their souls and about Jesus? I just, I'm just asking a question. Let's continue. Verse 40, chapter 2, book of Acts. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And so, the words are right there on your paper, and it doesn't take but a brief glimpse at a newscast to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that around the world right now we are living in a perverse generation that has openly denigrated the ways of God. I put this out on my Twitter uh, yesterday. I'm going to look for it real quick here and say it just how God gave it to me. And we, we can see it. It's not in question. It's not in doubt. I mean, you'd have to be a blind man to not be able to see. Here's what the Holy Spirit had me put down. We live in a time of brazen disrespect for the ways of God. We must repent. What can be shaken will be shaken. We believe this is a third trimester birth pain in our world today. Telling the truth about these events can turn many to the Lord. And of course, that's our heart and our desire. That's what this is all about. Um, you know, we have, to, we have to look at things truthfully. We have to be honest with ourselves. Because we are the first ones to make excuse for all the areas of our life where we fall short. And yes, God has grace for us. Thank God He does. And yes, He has mercy. Yes, thank God. And yes, He understands that we are but flesh and that we're going to make mistakes and we're going to fall short sometimes. But that is no excuse to not allow the Holy Spirit to deal with what He needs to deal with in us and about us so that we can become more like Jesus. Because that's the goal of the Christian life. Not only to spend uninterrupted fellowship with God throughout all of eternity, basking in His presence and His glory, but also that we start to look more and more and more like the perfect one, Jesus Christ. And don't misunderstand, Brother Paxton, here today. And if you go off and say that I said we have to be perfect, you're going to be lying. We will never be able to attain perfection in this life. And we're always going to have to go back to the Lord and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. We're always going to have something somewhere at some time in our life that we will have to repent over. And that is good because that shows that you see things 
like God sees them. That's what repentance basically is. That's what confession is. When we have, You've often heard it, confess our sins, or make a confession about the situation, or whatever the case might, dip, might be. Well, when we say the same thing that God says about something, we're making a godly confession. And so, the very fact that I have to repent sometimes is a good thing. And it shows that my mind is being renewed. It's a process. I'm being sanctified. You're being sanctified. That is a process. It is a lifelong process. And you are complete in Him right now positionally. But one day, conditionally, through all of eternity, you will be complete in Him, Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. And so even through the, the trials and the tests and the darkness and the failures and the sin, we continue to look to Christ because He has made our way for us. Be saved from this perverse generation. Then, those who gladly received His Word. Now there's a big one right there, folks. The ones who gladly received the Word. One of the biggest problems in the church right now and I'm just going to say this how the Holy Spirit showed me. And, uh, you know, I pray that you're going to be able to uh, be all right with it. But here's the deal. W one of the biggest problems in the church right now are the self-proclaimed theologians and people who want to compete with God-called ministry gifts and exalt themselves. And they are tearing down good men and women of God, folks. And so, when they hear a word, a word perhaps such as Brother Stone has given, a word such as Brother Wilkerson gave many years ago, I believe he saw this time that we're coming into right now. The, one, of, one of the first statements out of their mouth is, well, I don't agree with that. And one of the first thoughts that comes to my mind is, I really don't care what you agree with. I'm looking at track records here, folks. I'm looking at those who are tried and proven and love other ministries and don't utter all their mind. They keep some of it to themselves. Because we're not called here to tear down. We are called here to build up. And I'll, I'll tell you what Pastor David Wilkerson saw is exactly what is starting to take place right now when brother perry stone come on the other night i don't know how many of you saw that and he gave a word on the day of reckoning has come he is right on a hundred percent i don't really particularly care what anybody thinks it definitely bore witness with my spirit and so we don't need to be out here trying to compete with folks trying to show off trying to be the big this or the big that we need to be out here trying to love people into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We need to be out here supporting ministries who have track records, amen, and who have been doing it. Not to try to challenge them, not to try to take them down or whatever some of these screwballs are doing, but we should be out here trying to show them, show them, not just prayer, but show them that we stand with them and we support them. Glory be to God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. 
And that's the time. That's what God is trying to get us to see again. He's trying to get us to recognize this. Let's keep reading. This one might be a little longer maybe than, than the others were. I'll, I'll try to keep it to 30 minutes, okay? Uh, they gladly received His Word. Do you know that when you hear a strong prophetic word that uh, you know this is a selective judgment of God and, and here's what God's doing it for and this type of stuff, you're to receive that word gladly. None of the prophets in the Bible came up on the scene and said, hey everybody, you're all so sweet and you're all doing great. They always had a word of correction from God. And there are, there are corrections and attitude adjustments and heart behaviors that need to change in the American church in 2020. And God's going to do it whether you agree or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you stand with it or not, God is going to set aside the scoffers and the mockers and He is going to purify a church because He said it would be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, hallelujah, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those who gladly received the Word were baptized. Couldn't even get baptized unless you gladly received the Word. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And I want to bear down on that. We need one another, church. We need one another. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I like what Brother Perry said in the prayer meeting last night where he said, you know, uh, b believers have refused to go to church, so now they can't go anywhere. I agree with that. I mean, the ball games are all canceled. The bars are closed down. The restaurants are closed down. Movie theaters, most of them are closed down. On and on and on we go. God is going to get a purified people out of this situation. God is going to have a stronger church out of this situation. You and I are going to become stronger Christians once we begin to once again see how the New Testament church, the early church, operated. For years I've heard preachers say, where are the miracles of Paul? with his handkerchiefs and aprons. Where is the power? Well, we don't have any power today. Well, it's possibly because we're not sold out the whole route, 100% saved to the bone, and ready to go make a difference in our world. And we really need to consider that. During this time, when Christians now, Hashakita Labahasanda, Christians right now have all kinds of time to pray and to read. Oh, glory, hallelujah. The, the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. We can fellowship with other believers through text, through email. We can meet in small groups, you know, five people, whatever the case might be. It is time to wake up. It's time to quit saying we don't have the time. We turn the movie off. Turn the television program off. Hallelujah. Turn off the, the doubt and unbelief and turn off the news 
uh, watch it to keep up with what's going on, to get vital information, but don't have it on all evening, all the next day. Feed on the Word of God because you do have time. You make choices every day. And so instead of frittering your time away on foolish activities that will not produce an eternal reward, they have no eternal value, whether I watch some stupid TV show or not produces no eternal value, but if I would take that time and put it into the Apostles' Doctrine and put it into reaching out to fellow believers and put it into witnessing my faith to others. Oh, glory to God. Can't you see it? Can't you see it? Hallelujah. God is telling the church, enough of the excuses. Read your Bible and see how Christians live and see what Christians do. Stop excusing yourself and trying to get Jesus to follow you instead of you following Him. I know that's a strong word. <laughs> and you ain't heard it the last time here and in other places too. Folks, these messages are starting to come out by the droves now. It is clear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church during this crisis. The word fellowship produces a power of unity. Listen to this. The first detailed description of the early Christians is wonderfully revealing. The followers of Jesus, who had been baptized by the Holy Spirit, literally devoted themselves to communication and unity with God and with each other. In relationship to God, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the word of God, and in prayer, in relationship to one another, they devoted themselves to fellowship and breaking bread with one another. As the there, There's a, a word that's called koinonia, and it literally denotes a deep sense of spiritual unity and spiritual communion with the Lord and with each other. Hallelujah. And so the unity of the Spirit that we are told verbatim in the epistles to strive for unity in the Spirit, it happens as we continue together steadfastly in the Word of God and in prayer, and in breaking of bread. Now you think of it, we're going to read the rest of this verse, and I'm trying to move along so I don't go too far over uh, for these special broadcasts. But listen, then, okay, so let's go back. Verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. Now that fear, it, it works the two ways. It works the, it's a double-edged thing, okay? For those who are outside of the faith, it is a flat-out fearful thing. Like many Christians today in these crises are acting like they're unbelievers. And yes, I understand, and I'm not making light, of Christians who get this virus. It is a dangerous virus. Absolutely. And I've thought about this many times. You know, if, if I got the virus, 
I'd have to do my best to believe the Word of God and that God is going to come through with deliverance for me. If my wife got the virus, now you're, in, you're leaving fear and you're getting into heartache. And they're two different things. And we would still be fasting and praying and I have a whole, uh, uh, I have a whole bunch of people that work with our, our ministry on a volunteer basis that would be fasting and praying for my wife. And if anything happened to her, it would take me into heartache. But there's a difference between fear and heartache. And I, I can say this, the fear of heartache drives a lot of our fears. And that's, that's kind of a normal thing for human beings. But God can break through that with the delivering power of His Word and His Holy Spirit, and He can help us walk, and He gives us grace to walk every day of life. You can get killed driving to work. You can get run over by a truck out and going to get your mail, whatever the case might be. And so every day, virus or no virus, we have to find that secret place in God through the Word and through prayer and through communion and communication with others. We, we enter into that secret place and we seek His presence and His protection that He has promised us. So these aren't light issues, but the whole world that's reacting in panic, I shouldn't be acting that way. Even if fear is trying to attach itself to me. And let me tell you something, man. Everybody faces fear. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. Another thing that, that God had me to post uh, yesterday. And I'm going to read it again from my Twitter. I don't use Facebook much anymore. I, I don't like Facebook. I don't like the way that people, you know, they just take it upon themselves, you know, just to pretty much ignore you. And when they do have something to say, they're going to try to tell you off on their page and all that kind of stuff. I don't get into Facebook. But let me go and find this statement that God gave me. And uh, it's taken up some of our time here, I understand uh, that. But um, incidentally, we are very thankful for Huntington Bank uh, closing their lobbies, uh, at least here uh, in the state of Michigan. Amen. They have taken the lead and set an example of how they want to protect their staff um, through this, this time that we're in. If I can find this, if I can't. Okay, here it is right here. Uh, it was March 19th. The Holy Spirit said to put this down. Of the billions of people on earth presently, how many have had battles with fear? The answer, all of them. The only authority on the subject is God. And what I mean by that is, uh, the Word of God is true. The Word of God is not swayed by my emotions. The Word of God is not swayed by my uh, fear, my, my doubt, my unbelief, whatever the case might be. The Word of God is the same forever and ever. Amen. And the Bible says this, In the multitude of counselors there is safety. Go first to God's Word and respect other believers' take on it. Okay? 
And we're not naive, we're not nuts. I mean, we, we understand there's a great need for precaution right now. A great need for us to take precautions. And I encourage everybody, be led by the Holy Spirit. And the brothers and sisters in the Lord will back you up in that. Or at least if they're where they need to be uh, in this thing, they will, they will honor that you've heard from the Lord. This is what you need to do for your life and for your situation. And don't confuse heartache with fear. Uh, if, some, if somebody, God forbid, dies of this. We, I just read this morning a pastor in Oklahoma passed away from the coronavirus. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, but it doesn't need to make us fear. It just makes it should send us into that prayer closet, and it should send us to our Bibles. And if God decides that He wants to take me now, I'm home. Amen. If God were to take one of my loved ones, I'm in heartache at that point. And we have to trust God in all of these things, and especially as we're in the end of time. We're at the time when Jesus is about ready to return. And, you know, there's something else coming after this. There are more things coming after this. And we are not even sure that this will not open the door to some other hardships for us in the future. But we trust that future to Jesus because he has us in the palm of his hand. So I'm going to hurry up here and finish this today now. Um, now this next part, verse 44, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now a lot of people have said that Jesus and the Christians were socialists. That is not true. That's not what this verse is saying at all. Uh, these verses. What it's referring to though, and one thing I think America has to get back to, is help one another. Care about one another. We've become so busy in our lives, even Christians, we're so busy that we can lose sight of the needs of the Christian community and the community in general around us, and God wants to wake us up to the needs of humanity right now. And, and it's so urgent to give them the gospel, to spread peace, to spread reconciliation among the people of the earth, and to get our heads out of our own game, so to speak. So much of the time we walk around, and the first thought we have is us. And God wants us to see where that has led us as a church. Okay? For today, I'm going to have to leave that right there. But whatever happened, you know the, the real American spirit, in addition to freedom, Americans have always took care of one another. It's been getting less and less in recent decades. But Americans take care of one another. Christians should certainly take care of each other. And yeah, it's going to put us out. I'll just tell you from the, from the beginning. It's going to put us out. It's going to interfere with life as we have lived it. It's going to interfere with life as we knew it. And there's, there's going to be a whole bunch of sweeping changes in the body of Christ as a result of this crisis that has hit our world. But if we will be walking in the Spirit, 
covered with the blood in the secret place of the Most High, the changes will be good for us because it's going to bring it back to the way the church first started. Everything prophetically goes back to the way it was in the beginning. You know, when, when, we, when Jesus raptures us away and then the great tribulation starts and when, when that's over the battle of Armageddon and then we go into the millennium and then we go into eternity future, it's, it could be termed going back to Eden where it all started. You understand where, where I'm coming from? Alright, and so the Holy Spirit was first outpoured in Jerusalem. And the Bible says that in a coming day in the future, all of Israel will be saved. And what it means, the word all there is a part for a whole. It will be the one-third remnant that is left after the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. Okay? Ezekiel 38 and 39 is probably not referring to Armageddon. I believe that's a separate war altogether. It could be just about ready to start now. It could be a little bit longer before it gets here. I believe it starts before the rapture and sometime in the midst of that uh, uh, war of Gog and Magog, the rapture will take place. That's what I personally believe. But anyway, it all goes back to the way it was at the beginning. And the Holy Spirit will once again be poured out over all Israel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what God's going to start bringing together out of this. Church, we're going to go back to the way we started. We're going to go back to meeting together regularly and even sharing meals together and singing the praises of Jesus together. We're, we're, God is not going to help you hide out in the middle of the woods somewhere where no one can get to you. God wants you to be in the mainstream of life giving people the answers to life which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what God is doing here. He's bringing us back. Help us to care for our neighbor. Help us to look at our neighbor through the eyes of God with the love and the compassion and the heartbreak at times. I've actually had people to tell me I don't want to go down to that poor part of town and help those people because every time I see them I just get so heartbroken. Heartbreak in that context, can be good for us. Let's just keep these things in biblical perspective uh, as we go forward. And let's read the final verse here. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. That's the next point. Uh, the early church, the common people, embraced the early church for the most part. But the religious hierarchy of the day wanted to kill them. You think of that. So you can expect religious persecution coming from religion against the true disciple of Christ. You can expect that. You can also expect religion uh, to be persecuted by the world. And the world will accept those who are nominally religious 
As long as they share the viewpoints of the collective, then they're going to be acceptable. But when you stand up as a true disciple of Jesus Christ for the righteousness of God found in the book, you can expect persecution. You say it'll never happen here. Well, I wouldn't be too sure of that. So, and the Lord, the final part of the verse says, added to the church daily those who were being saved. And I want to go to the last verse. We've run over time. I'm sorry about that. But this last verse, I believe, is very telling. You've heard me preach this probably 50 times if you followed the ministry for any length of time uh, at all. And God has given us a word. God has actually given us the cure. The cure is already here. Let's read 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and I'm going to start in verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Now I know it, contextually it's talking about Israel. It's talking about the place to put the temple, the house of sacrifice. I believe also that God has chosen America. God has chosen us to be the gospel light to the whole entire world. Now listen, verse 13. When I shut up heaven, God is talking, and there is no rain, or when I command the locust to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. You hear that? All you scoffers out there and all you mockers out there, you're not going to like that, but that's what the Holy Bible says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their Land, And that's what we're believing for right there. Whatever work God is doing right now in the nations of the world, whatever work God is doing in His church right now, whatever work the Lord is up to, we want it and we want to stand victorious and protected in the midst of it. So it's very clear what the church needs to do. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. And we could, we could list a bunch of stuff. And if I was preaching a regular message, I probably would. We'd be here for an hour and 20 minutes. Let me just say it this way. Humble myself. Humble myself to do things God's way. I don't always have to be right. I don't have to be selfish. I don't have to be heard all the time over and above everybody else in the room. I don't have to you know, get all kinds of sympathy from people out yonder. I can develop my faith in the Word of God. I can walk my own walk before the Lord Jesus Christ. I can go where He leads me to go. I can humble myself and turn from the wickedness of ignoring others of the household of faith, especially the Bible says, and I can begin to ask the Lord to give me His eyes to see this generation. 
and I can work toward. I cannot do it all. I cannot pay for it all. But I can do my part and I can work toward putting the ministry of reconciliation out there in my community and everywhere that God leads me to go. And we can stand up for the gospel and we can win souls to Christ. Once we start seeing people the way the Lord sees them. And sometimes we might do a message on how does God see people. First of all, He sees everybody with love. For God so loved the world that He gave. Secondly, He sees everybody through a desire to have mercy on them. He offered His Son so that everybody can receive mercy. And there's many other things. God also sees the vast majority of the unsaved world today. He sees them as sheep having no shepherd. And that also qualifies for Christians who are in churches that are preaching the wrong message. And they're not preaching the real gospel. They're preaching some other stuff. They're sheep with no shepherd. But Jesus will be your shepherd. And He will lead you to the appropriate place, the appropriate body where you need to be. We have to humble ourselves though. And... During this time, i got to close this out. We're way over time. But during this time, this is what we're focusing on here at this ministry, and I know many, many others that are doing it, is for God to show us our hearts and for God to change our hearts, making us more like Christ, and also for protection from this virus. We, we pray for that. We believe for it. We believe God promises it. And we're going to lay claim to that promise in Jesus' name. Humble us, Lord. Help your church to get its priorities straight. Heavenly Father, I come to you. Thank you for this time with your people today. Father, help us to get our priorities straight. Reveal our hearts to us that they might be changed by the Holy Spirit in this hour, in this time. Father, help us. Father, rescue us. We are a needy and a dependent people. Lord, we depend upon you. And we need you so very, very much. Rescue us. Deliver us. Protect us in this hour, Lord, as the whole world is being shaken by this great fiery trial. But Lord, we know that you have deliverance for your people and you have safety for your people. And God, we just thank you that you love us we thank you that you sent Jesus to give his life for us. And Father, we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.